Coming up on the Matt Wall Show today, the movie about Kermit Gosnell entered its second week this weekend after an extremely impressive showing in its first week. Yet, the film is already being dropped from hundreds of theaters. Is it being blackballed? Yes, of course, but why? Why is the left so terrified of Gosnell? Why is the media so terrified of Gosnell? Well, we'll talk about that now. Stay tuned. Oh, man. This is a tough day for me. It was tough waking up this morning and finding the, a reason to go on. Uh, the Ravens, the Ravens lost yesterday. They, they, they lost, my Baltimore Ravens lost on a, on a missed extra point, on a missed extra point in the final seconds of the game. They got the most accurate field goal kicker in the history of the league. He's never missed an extra point in his entire career, including college, like 300 straight made extra point kicks. And this is the one that he decides to miss. And then we lost the game. And to make, make matters worse, you know, after the game last night, I was uh, sitting in the living room in a state of deep shock and, um, and misery and in, in a bit of an existential crisis, asking myself, what's the point of life? What's the point of anything? And then my, my daughter comes in and she, uh, she says, what, uh, what's the matter, Daddy? Are you sad? You look sad. And I said, I said, yes, I'm very sad. The Ravens lost on a, on a missed extra point at the end of the game. And she said, what's an extra point? And I said, well, it's the field goal that you kick after a touchdown if you're not going to go for two. And she said, what's a field goal? What's a touchdown? What's going for two? And I said, please stop interrogating me. Can't you see that I'm, that I'm traumatized here? And she said, well, are you, you going to cry, Daddy? And I said, yes, I might cry. I might cry. And she said, well, da daddies don't cry. No, daddies don't cry. And I said, you're right. Daddies don't cry except when their football team loses on a missed extra point at the very end of the game. Then they might cry. And then she said, and I'm, not, I'm going to quote her exactly, okay? She said, that's silly, daddy. That's silly to cry over football. Football is silly. And so what was I going to do? I called the police on her, had her carted away which is not the kind of thing that you want to ever, it's not a decision you ever want to make as a parent, especially when your daughter is five years old. But what else was I going to do? She's a, she's a, if she's going to go around saying things like that, she's a threat to society. All right, um, but I will, in, a, in, a, in an act of great courage and resilience, I will try to soldier on uh, and move on somehow with my life. All right, what I want to talk about, um, the, uh, the film about Kermit Gosnell has entered its its second week at the box office. Um, it entered its second week this past weekend. And despite only showing on 600 or so theaters in its first week, and despite the limited budget, and despite being ignored by the media, it completely it managed to crack the top 10 in its first week, the top 10 at the box office, which is extremely impressive. Okay, to get into the top 10, given the situation... Um, now, keep this in mind when it comes to box office totals and you hear about, you know, you hear about a movie like uh, like Avengers is, is number one at the box office for uh, 10 straight weeks or whatever. Well, keep in mind that movies like the Avengers, they open on 4000 screens and they have hundreds of millions of dollars of marketing and merchandise. I mean, you can't avoid them you know, for, for six months leading up to the movie coming out. The, 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 the movie's everywhere. Everywhere you go, you, you see it. Uh, you see previews of commercials and merchandise, and then it's on every single screen across the universe. Um, and so a movie like that, it has to be number one. It's got to be number one for two months. If it's not, then it's a massive failure because the, movies, the movie studios pay a lot of money 
to manufacture interest and uh, to get the movies out there. And so that's why, in my mind, there's nothing particularly impressive about a massively hyped, massively expensive movie uh, showing on 4,000 screens with 15 showings apiece, ending up number one at the box office. But um, that's why I'm never, you know, every time there's a new Marvel movie or Star Wars and everyone's like, oh, it's the number one movie in history again. Well, of course, number one, that you know, movie tickets now cost eighty-seven dollars as opposed to as opposed to in the in the '90s when they were five dollars, um, and the, the the movie studios paying millions of dollars to to brainwash us into seeing the the freaking thing. So of course, of course, it's number one. That's not impressive, but a movie like like Gosnell, with no press, very little marketing, on a few screens and a small budget, well, cracking a million dollars and the top ten in that case is huge. Yet, um, as the Daily Wire reported this weekend, the film was dropped. Again, only its second week, it was dropped from almost 200 screens of the, of the only 600 it was showing on in its second week. This is a top 10 movie that was dropped in its second week and dropped from theaters with 20 or 30 screens where it was in the top 10 among all those films. Um, and many of those theaters dropped it after one week which is unprecedented, which is, it's just, it's unheard of. Despite what anyone might want to say to try to, you know, come up with a rationale, this is unheard of. This doesn't, this doesn't happen. Even if a movie performs really poorly in its first week, it's, it's pretty rare for it to be dropped after one week. Usually at least gets one other week, but to be a top 10 movie and then get dropped after, after seven days in the theater, it's just, um, it's ridiculous. Let me read a little bit of the story from the Daily Wire. It says, according to John Sullivan, the film's marketing director, who also served as a producer, the drop cannot be written off as a mere coincidence or, quote, business as usual. Um, he says, he told the, the Daily Wire, I can tell you from my experience in 15 years of releasing movies independently, we're in uncharted territories. It is an impacted fall, no doubt about it. But the fact that we've been dropped from theaters where the movie is the number six or number nine movie is just something you don't see. It's hard not to believe it isn't about the content of the movie. We have theaters that are dropping on uh, the movie uh, that are that are top theaters that are performing very well. We, we've been the number six in a 15-plex uh, theater, and it gets dropped this week. We've been number nine in a 30-plex, and we're getting dropped this week. So that's, it's the number nine movie out of 30, and they drop it. Um, there are about 15, 15 theaters like that where typically you would not get dropped. He says, I do recognize it's a crowded market, marketplace because Halloween is is uh, you know, going to be a huge opening, but it's very odd to me that you're within the, the top 10 and you're getting dropped out of a movie house. Um, the filmmakers have also received varying reports of theaters actively preventing customers from buying a ticket by not advertising the film or declaring it sold out before capacity is reached. While some of those situations may be the result of human error, Sullivan says the apparent blackballing is too consistent to be ignored. Um, and then he goes on to talk about how it's unprecedented um, in a public statement on Facebook, the film's producer said he had received worrying reports from across the country regarding customers' inability to buy tickets. Uh, and then he talks about some stories of people that, you know, even in the theaters where it's being shown, they're being prevented or it's being made difficult to buy uh, tickets to the movie. Now, one of the ways that you know this isn't all a coincidence is because this is how, this is just totally in keeping with how the Gosnell story has been treated uh, and how the Gosnell movie has been treated and, and, the, and the actual event itself before then. 
But um, speaking of the, you know, staying on the movie for just a minute, uh, we, we should also mention that hardly any media outlets even bothered to review the movie. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, which is a is a site that compiles movie reviews, so you could go and see, um, you know, get a get kind of an, an aggregated percentage score on 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 how good the movie is, even though the percentages are 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 oftentimes very misleading. But um, it could only find ten reviews for Gosnell across the entire internet. It could find it could find ten reviews. By comparison, the Halloween movie, which came out this weekend, has over two hundred reviews. So that's two hundred reviews to ten. Now, obviously, Gosnell isn't as big as a movie as Halloween, despite being scarier and having a more evil villain, but um, and a more prolific uh, killer uh, also at the core of the movie. But still, that disparity is ridiculous. Only 10 reviews, whereas, you know, a movie will typically get 100, 150, 200 or more. Um, That is not a coincidence, as the marketing director of the film pointed out. This is not a coincidence. There is an active decision being made to ignore this movie, to blackball this movie, uh, to censor this movie. Now, can it be justified on any kind of practical level? No, as I said, the movie has been a success in spite of all this, uh, obviously showing that there's intense interest in the movie. The average movie, if it's only playing on 600 theaters and it's not getting any press and there's hardly any marketing, the average movie like that is just, it's not, it's going to make a few, it's going to make a few thousand dollars and then it's going to be gone. Um, but as I said, to pull in a million, get into the top 10, that shows that there is enormous interest in the movie. Um, so you can't justify it on that. You can't say, well, of course it's being ignored. It's just a, you know, it's a movie nobody cares about. People do care about it. And then the story. You can't say, well, the story doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an irrelevant story. That's, no, the story is very dramatic, very relevant, very current. Um, Gosnell is, as the tagline of the movie correctly points out, Gosnell is the worst serial killer in American history. Now, to recap very briefly, in case you've forgotten about Gosnell or if you never heard about him in the first place, um, the abortionist was was officially charged in 2013 with the murders of seven infants and one woman. Uh, but the total body count is, is much higher than that. Um, Gosnell used scissors to sever the spinal cords of hundreds of live babies, hundreds, maybe even more, maybe thousands. Um, one employee of the, of the clinic in Philadelphia testified that she personally witnessed this procedure, um, snipping as Gosnell called it at least 30 times. So although he was, although he was only charged only, uh, charged with murdering seven infants, as if that's not bad enough, you've got just one witness who says, well, I saw it happen 30 times. Um, in some cases, uh, uh, she was given the child's severed feet. Or any or another severed body part to put in a jar and keep as a trophy. Uh, to be clear, children were. I, I just think this needs to be emphasized. Children were were born alive, outside the womb, fully formed. These are born infants, and then they were decapitated. That's what was going on. Hundreds and hundreds of times, over the course of thirty years. There's a reason why this clinic was dubbed the House of Horrors, because it, it's not a cliche. It really, it really was. There were um, 
quoting from, from a one medical student who saw it, uh, he said there were fetuses and blood all over the place. Um, you could, another nurse reports that you could literally hear the screams of children who were born alive and then butchered. So if you can imagine this, this, this butcher shop where there's blood stains on the walls, body parts in jars and buckets and, uh, and the screams of children being murdered. I mean, it's just carcasses and body parts were stored in, in shoe boxes, water jugs, break room, refrigerators. And this is to say nothing of the, of the unsanitary medical equipment, which caused disease and infection in the patient, patients. Um, one woman had to go to a hospital and, uh, and have part of her intestine removed after contracting an infection from, from Gosnell's clinic. And then another woman died, at least one woman died as a result of this, of this malpractice. Now, the point is, this is a significant story that deserves to be told, that should be told. It's the kind of story that if it were happening in any other profession, any other alleged medical field, um, there would have been five movies and two TV specials about it already. I mean, if you could imagine, if you could imagine an orthodontist or a, or a pediatrician murdering hundreds of patients, it would be the biggest story in the country and film adaptations would come almost immediately. That's the way it would be, would be treated. But this, because it's an abortionist, has always been treated as a non-story. Uh, one Washington Post reporter infamously said that uh, Gos Gosnell's systematic slaughter of infants over the course of 30 years is just a local crime story. That's how she, when, when, uh, when asked to justify her paper's decision to ignore the story, she said, well, it's, a, it's just a local crime story. Hundreds of dead babies, local crime story. So, um, and to put that in context, by the way, um, this is not long before um, Ferguson, where you had one, you know, one, uh, one teenager that was sh shot by a police officer in what turned out to be a, a totally justified shooting. But that, you know, one, one person being killed, that, that wasn't treated as a local crime story. Nobody said that was local crime. The Washington Post was all over that. Yet hundreds of babies being killed in a major American city in, a, in an alleged um, medical facility over the course of 30 years, that's just local crime. So why is this happening? Um, why did the media ignore? Why does it still ignore the Gosnell case? Why does the left in general treat this like it never happened? Why are they so terrified of Gosnell? That's the question. And I think there are three pretty obvious reasons that we'll get into. Now, um, so why is this being ignored? Number one, I think the Gosnell case really explodes one of the most common pro-abortion talking points, which is namely that the prohibition of abortion will lead, if you prohibit abortion, that's going to lead to horrific and unsanitary uh, back alley abortions and so forth. Now, that's what we're told. You know, we're told we, you can't get rid of abortion because then it's going to be this, it's going to be a horror show where there's uh, women, you know, getting abortions in these unsanitary uh, conditions. 
unsafe conditions, as, as if it's possible to safely, as if, as if it's ever possible to have a safe abortion, which of course it isn't by definition, because by definition in every abortion, in every successful abortion that's ever been performed, uh, at least one human being has been killed. So there's no such thing as a safe abortion. But um, those kinds of abortions that the pro-abort people worry about, those kinds of abortions happened at Gosnell's clinic for 30 years, even though abortion is legal. And I think a person who takes note of that fact, who says, well, hold on, this is exactly the kind of abortion that I thought we were preventing by having abortion legal. And so I think if you notice that, and then if you get really curious and you start investigating, you say, well, I mean, is Gosnell really unique or have there been situations like this in other clinics across the country? And if you investigate that, you're going to discover, no, Gosnell is not unique, in fact. Now, he might be on the more on the more severe end of the spectrum, but in terms of unsanitary, unclean, just horrifically disgusting environments at, at, at abortion clinics, you, you find that across the country. That is not unusual. As well as, by the way, babies being killed after, um, after being born alive. That is also not un, un, unusual. So a person who takes note of that fact may begin to understand that abortion is a fundamentally dirty, unsafe violent, gruesome thing. And you can't change that fact by making it legal. So that's one reason why the case is ignored. Number two, on a political level, it is impossible to report on this story without implicating the Democrat Party. Philadelphia is a city run by Democrats. And it was in that Democrat-run city that a serial killer was able to operate his enterprise for 30 years without interference. I mean... All you needed to do was walk inside the building to see that something was terribly wrong. From all the reports that we've heard, all the witnesses, all the people that worked there, all you had to do was walk inside and you could see that something was very wrong. And if you actually walked past the lobby into back where these things were happening, you would see dead humans in buckets and in jars and you would see all this stuff. Um... Yet somehow city and state officials didn't notice for 30 years. Or they did notice and they chose to look the other way. And I think clearly that's what happened. Um, because either, either, this, either this clinic was completely unregulated. Nobody checked on it. It's, it's allegedly a medical clinic. No regulation, no checking on it, nothing. No oversight, zero for 30 years. Or there was some oversight, there was some regulation, and those people chose to look the other way and so actually participated in a cover-up. I mean, if the media had actually been interested in doing its job, and again, this is why it didn't want to do its job here, but if it, if it actually had decided to do its job and, and, and really dig into this and find out who knew about this, um, there, there, this was not happening on an island. There was obviously a cover-up going on. There were people in the government who had to know about it, had to and chose to not do anything about it. So how, how deep did that go? Well, we never found out because they ignored the story. But I think the third thing, most important, um, the most fundamental reason 
the most kind of visceral reason why this story is ignored is because this is abortion. I mean, this is what Gosnell was doing is abortion. It, that's all. Yeah, he was doing it when the babies were born as opposed to right before they were born, but this is abortion. For all of the pretending that there is some dramatic difference between regular old murder and abortion, when it comes down to it, of course, killing an innocent, helpless human is killing an innocent, helpless human. Murder is murder is murder is murder. After all, what, is, what exactly is the substantive difference between killing a baby moments after it leaves the birth canal and killing it moments before? Uh, you, you know, you've got a baby who just emerged from the birth canal. The doctor is holding the, the child. Rewind the clock, you know, a few seconds. What? And then, you know, if you rewind the clock and then fast forward, you go back and forth. What is in between the emergence from the birth canal? What is happening in that? So it's, it's a human being, you know, as soon as it comes out, it's a human being, uh, a, you know, a person, a human being deserving of rights and dignity and, and all that kind of stuff. And right before that, it has none. Well, what exactly is happening? What magical, mystical thing is happening as the baby comes out of the birth canal to change, to fundamentally change it from a, from a worthless, pointless blob of, of, of lifeless tissue to a human being? I mean, what exactly is happening? Well, the answer is nothing. The difference between the two is simply geographic. The difference is location. Um, and that's what it comes down to, I think. The proponent of abortion sees the Gosnell case and, and thinks, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's really not too different, is it? And he knows that. And so he looks away and, and, and he turns away and he ignores and he doesn't want to dwell on it. He doesn't want to see abortion for what it is and he doesn't want us to see. You know, I'm very glad that Kermit Gosnell is in prison for the rest of his life. Um, that's what he deserves. He probably deserves something even worse than that. Um, he certainly deserves something even worse than that, I should say. But at the same time, you know, um, at the same time, the argument that he made in his defense was a, was a, a pretty good argument. His argument was, well, I was just performing abortions, which are legal. I'm, I'm no different from any other abortionist. And you know something? He's right. And that's, and that's really why, why the left doesn't want us talking about Gosnell, because they know that he's right, that, he, that he's really no different from any other. You go to any, any average uh, Planned Parenthood, you go to any, any abortion clinic, and the abortionists there, they're no different from Gosnell. Yeah, Gosnell was, uh, was uh, more unorthodox in his approach. Um, he didn't care as much about hygiene and, and, and uh, being sanitary. But when it comes down to it, they're both killing babies for a living. And they both know that that's what they're doing. And I think that's why Gosnell didn't care. You know, for him, he wasn't, uh, the baby comes out, he kills the baby. It didn't matter to him. He'd already signed on to killing babies. He does it every day. That's what he's, that's what he did it every day for 30 years. Made no difference. He, he knows that there's no difference. And at, let me tell you something. 
Every abortionist knows it. Because these people, although they are not legitimate doctors at all, they're the opposite, they're literally the opposite of doctors. Doctors take the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, and all they do is harm. That's their whole, that's their whole life. That's what they dedicated their life to, to harming children. But um, they do have medical training and they do have scientific medical knowledge. And so they know, they absolutely know that what Gosnell did is no different from what they do. It is exactly the same. Which is why every abortionist should be locked in a prison cell. Um, and that's uh, simply a, a, an observation and a conversation that pro-abortion people don't want to have. And so they just ignore it. It's, you know, there's nothing, that, that's, that's, that's the incredible thing with Gosnell this whole time. It's like, it's not like the left ever came up with some narrative to explain away Gosnell. It's not like they, no, they just ignored it. They, they knew and they know now there's nothing they can say in defense. They know that this case is bad for them and for their whole worldview, their whole philosophy, their ideology, everything. They know it's terrible for them. And so they just say nothing about, these are the people that say everything, that have, that have something to say about everything. On this case, they just say nothing. That's how terrified they are of it. And that's why you should go out and support the movie if you haven't yet. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed.